God. I'm glad you guys were able to tune in. If you like FCC, click like and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook. And I want to challenge you to uh, send this to somebody. Also, this is fertile ground here. Consider planting a seed. Visit us at uh, our Facebook page, FCC. God bless. So today, uh, Sister Jamie and I are going to tag team this message for you this morning. We're excited about what God has given us. You know, last week I spoke about the, to, that your joy is coming. Uh, thank you, Elder Dev. You know, the rest of you, I don't know about your joy, but he's got some joy that's coming in the morning. See, the, the interesting things, I see a lot of um, verses being shared on Facebook and 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 that promise joy and peace and protection and provision and that is true but there's conditions to every promise just because i say the verse doesn't mean that it applies to me if i'm not living with the lord when you read psalms 91 where it says in there that no plague shall come to your doorstep that a thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand yes that's true but it's true for those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High. So the one who doesn't dwell with God, who doesn't live with God, they're going to suffer the effects of it. They might be one of those ones. And I don't say that to be mean, but God's saying, I'm the shelter. Come to me. Live with me. Do you want just uh, protection this weekend, or do you want protection for the rest of your life? If you want protection for the rest of your life, then your life has to be with my life. You live with me and stay with me. And see, it's not just cliche, it's not just, uh, let me shout the promises of God, but th there's conditions to promise. And those who I know and love, I'm going to hook you up as much as I can according to my skill and ability. God has all skill, all ability, all resources available to him. So we're going to break down some of these verses and how you can apply them today to access the promises of God. Sister Jamie. I need to stand. So, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> so there's been a verse that's going around on Facebook quite a bit, and it's found in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and it's the one that says, "If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their ways, then I will hear them from heaven and heal their lands." So that has been a, a verse that everyone is sharing. And it's a great verse to share, but God began to, to speak something inside of me about that verse because it's not just one that we kind of want to use that verse and point the finger at everyone. See, like you should be praying. If, we, if you all would just pray, then this would go away. And we're going to point the finger, but God is actually, in my opinion, this is a verse that speaks directly to the church. And so I've titled, we've titled this message, Rise Up. And we're talking to the the church, the body of Christ in this message. And I'm going to start with that our nation is sick, and it's more than just COVID-19. This has kind of been the thing that it's brought, it brought to light. But our nation has been sick for quite a while, and it's time for the church to rise up and, and begin to step into the place that God has called us to be. So we're going to pray before I get started too much. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we have. Lord, I thank you for the message that you have laid on, on pastor's heart and my heart. Lord, I pray that you help us to deliver it, Father, in, in love and compassion, Lord, but in truth. 
God, I pray that you would speak through us this morning, Father, that you would give us the words to speak, Lord, and that you would give your, your people uh, ears to listen, God, and a heart to, to know the changes that they need to begin to make in their lives. And as a church, God, that we would begin to rise up and, and take back what was always yours. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start in with our nation is sick, and it's more than just the COVID-19. That's just kind of what's brought it out. We've had rising crime for quite some time. We've had unjust um, on our campuses, in our schools. They've, they've, it's not, we now as parents have to worry when we send our kids to school whether or not they're going to be safe, whether or not someone is going to do something on those campuses that may harm our children. Not even physically, but also as a Christian family, I worry about what my kids are hearing, what they're seeing, what they're being exposed to. Not even necessarily now from, from their peers but from the teachers as well. It's not necessarily a safe place as it used to once be. Morally, we're sick. We are preoccupied with sex. That's ev everywhere. We can't even watch football. We can't even watch a football game without the halftime show being all about sex. That is, the, that is where we've come to in our nation. Pornography and filth is everywhere. Marriage is not sacred or protected anymore. Protected meaning it's not even defined as the limits in which God created it to be, a man and a woman. It's not sacred in the fact that it's just a piece of paper, and if, you know, we don't get along in five years, that's okay. We'll throw that paper away, and I'll go find someone else, and I'll get a new piece of paper and, and be with them for a while. It means nothing in our country anymore. The bond, the covenant that you make most times in a church before your your um, loved ones and before God. Marriage is, is not sacred or protected anymore. Widespread, oh, I skipped one, sorry. Pollution of our natural resources. Okay, I'm going to just stop right here for a second because this message is preaching to me as well. So there's going to be a lot of things that, um, I don't know, I, I'm hoping, I hope that this comes across in love and truth this morning. That is my, my heart's desire. But just know that this, there's so many things in this message that God had begun to deal with me as well, and I think that's why he brought it to, to the forefront of our minds. But because I'm not one who, um, who recycles. I did at one time because it was easy, but I don't recycle anymore. Now, if you don't recycle, are you going to hell? Absolutely not. But God gave us this beautiful world, right? He blessed us with the resources that we have in it, and we should be taking care of what he's given to us. We should be um, uh, grateful for the resources that he has given to us here on this earth and not just say, well, if, I, you know, if, if we don't take care of it and, and you know, something happens, God can just renew it. Yeah, he can. He can. But that's like me not taking care of my body and eating whatever I want. And then when I get sick, say, okay, God, heal me, but I don't have to do anything on my part. God's given us ways to, to help in these areas to help take care of the natural resources that he's given us. All right, that's not really the, the main point this morning, but that was to myself. Um, national pride. We as a nation have become prideful. We don't see our need for God. We can do it ourselves. And that is evident when we try to treat our symptoms. The next slide is the folly of treating our symptoms. The foolishness that we think we have the ability to um, fix this ourselves. We will form committees. We will have action plans. We will um, do all kinds of... 
I'm not saying those things aren't good. Like, we need to have drug and abuse counselors. We need to have, um, you know, the, the, the AAA meetings. We need to have things like that in place, but ultimately, we're treating the symptoms, right? If I go to the doctor because I have a headache, because I have a brain tumor, and he gives me some Tylenol or some aspirin to take away the pain, is my tumor gone? Have I been healed? No. I've treated the symptom of the root cause of the, the brain tumor, so maybe I don't feel the pain anymore, but the tumor is still there. The tumor is still growing, and if the tumor is not taken care of, if that is not addressed, it's going to kill me. That is where we're at as a nation. We want to treat the symptoms. We want to form the groups. We want to have the committees. All good. But if we don't come back to prayer, if we don't come back to, to our one nation under God, that's all we're doing is treating symptoms. We're never getting to the root problem. So we have got to welcome God back. And this is where I'm going this morning, most importantly, is it starts with us. It starts with the church. So we're now at 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name, just hang on to that. I'm coming back to that. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal, hear from heaven and I will forgive them and heal their land. So the backstory, real quickly, because pastor's got to preach too. Um, Backstory of this, Solomon had just finished the temple after seven years. It took them seven years to finish the temple. And it was time to dedicate it, and he prayed a dedication prayer on this temple. And it was things like, Lord, that this wouldn't be a house to contain God. We can't contain God. That's part of it this morning. If we have to shut our doors, we are still the church. We can still infect this community with the power of God by the way that we live, by the way that we speak, using social media. The house of God does not contain God, but it is a place to meet God. That was Solomon's prayer. Lord, that it would be a place that we can meet you in order to find forgiveness of sins. For personal sins, national sins, sin is always destructive. But he wanted this to be a place where truth is revealed. Again, he says, Lord, if your people go out and fight against their enemies, and if they're defeated because they have sinned, help them to be able to recognize that sin, turn, repent, turn from it, and that you will hear them, and then they will be, they will be victorious again. If you punish their sins, his Christians, if you punish their sins by bringing on a drought of the land, but if they confess it, if they turn from it, that you will hear them, you will forgive them, and you will send rain again. Um, then he started talking about pestilences and maybe the flu virus, the things that we've seen, smallpox, bubonic plague, crops being damaged by winds, mildew, locusts. If they are sinning, if they have turned their, their ears away from you, if they come back, if they confess, if they um, repent, that you will hear them and that you will forgive them. So in response to this prayer that he prayed over this temple to be dedicated, those are the things that he prayed, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings. They had, they had gosh, they had sacrificed like 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. Just a side note, we try to come to church in, you know, hour, we, in and out. We want to be in and out in an hour. We got things to do. Can you just imagine how long it took them to, to sacrifice 20,000 sheep and 120,000 120, sheep, sorry, and 22,000 oxen? That's a whole lot of sacrificing. That's a whole lot of time. And we try to be an hour and out. 
And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that necessarily. But if we're tying the hands of God, if God only has an hour, then that's a problem. We can try to keep it to that. We can plan and we can prepare for an hour. But ultimately, God has the ultimate say in how this service goes. But we get restless. Mm, this is a side note. We get restless. 122, that's 142,000 animals that they sacrificed. Just think about the time. Their celebration lasted for eight days. Eight days. Now, I know partying is a lot more fun, right? Eight days they celebrated, but their celebration was at the temple. They were celebrating together. They were praising God for what he had allowed them to, to complete and, and do. So now the festivities are over. Everyone's gone home. The streets are bare. And Solomon goes to sleep that night, and he's thinking about just everything that goes on and everything that has happened and his prayer. And it says in uh, chapter, we're still in Second Chronicles 7, but now we're in verse 2. The Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard your prayer. I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people... We're not talking about people that don't know God. My people, because of their sin, now enters chapter, or I'm sorry, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name. So we're going to break it down. If my people who are called by my name. Now, I've obviously already alluded. It starts with the church. God wasn't speaking to non-Christians. God wasn't speaking to the world. You know, we want to point, gosh, this world's a bad place. Gosh, I can't believe the, what the world is doing. Can you believe where we're going in the world? We want to blame it on the world. Yeah, the world's a bad place. But what do we say? Sinners do what sinners do best, right? They sin. God wasn't speaking to them in these verses. He was speaking to Israel, his people, his chosen people, who he had called by his name. If you stop your sinning, if you rise up and do what you were called to do, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will send, send, or I will forgive you, and I will send healing to your land. God is speaking to you and me. He's speaking to the church. We have to stop looking at the world and telling them to rise up. They don't, they don't know what they're rising up to yet. They don't know who Jesus is yet in their life. They haven't come to the saving knowledge of him, but you and I have. And then it says, so moving on, it says, uh, in my, call by my name, we'll humble themselves. Four things we have to do as a church. Humble ourselves, seek his face, or pray, humble ourselves and pray, seek his face, and turn from our wicked ways. So let's break that down real quick. Humble, proper understanding of our need of God. We have to be humble enough to know that we need him. We're not more important than God. We are nothing without God. So humble, more uh, under our proper understanding of our need for him. Prayer. Pastor's going to talk about prayer in a minute, but that is our relationship with God. How much do you commune with him? How much do you talk with him? Is it just before you eat? Is it just as you lay your head down uh, before you go to bed? Is it just when you're walking out the door? Is it all about what you want him to do for you that day? Lord, touch me as I go out of this house. Keep me safe. Keep my children safe. Bless my food. Keep me as I, as I lay my head down tonight. Help me to wake up in the morning refreshed. Those are all prayers about me. Where's my communion with God? Where's my, my talking to him so that I can seek his face? Because seeking his face means, Lord, your will, not mine. Direct me, guide me, give me wisdom. But when it's all prayers about me, I'm asking God to do my will for my life. I need to slow down. I need to have relationship with him. And I need to seek his will, not mine. Turn. 
Turn from your wicked ways. The church needs to turn. So what do we need to turn from? These are only a few. We need to fight. Stand up and fight. We've, we've, we've become so, so grace-oriented in the church. God is a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness, yes, but he is a God of truth and justice as well. And we have become so grace-oriented that we, we don't stand up for the truth of God anymore. Mm, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Oh, I don't want to, I don't, that, that's kind of harsh if I say it that way. That sounds unloving. I'm not saying to be unloving by any means. I pray that as you have communication with people, that you ask God to guide your words and your lips, and that you can do it in the most loving way possible. But the fact of the matter is sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes the truth isn't popular. Sometimes the truth is going to sound unloving, no matter how loving you may say it. So we as a church need to fight for what is right, put prayer back in our schools. We need to stop allowing the gift God has been dealing with me on this. Stop allowing the gift of someone to be more important than the anointing of someone. So often, they're talented. They can, they can speak well. They can preach well. They can play well. They can sing well. They're gifted, but they may not be anointed. And the gift has become the spotlight over the anointing of God. Nothing changes without the anointing. Stop allowing the gift to become greater than the anointing. Stop killing our unborn children. We need to rise up. We need to take a stand. We can't lay down any longer and just, mm, that's not, shouldn't, they shouldn't do it. No, God's called us to greater. Stop loving people to hell because the truth is hard. Take back the rainbow as God's promise, not the homosexual agenda. We have to begin to rise up in the church. We cannot lay down any longer. I'm not saying that God brought COVID-19. I'm not saying that God brings the bad things that happen in this, in this world, but I do believe that God brings judgment. I believe that God uses things to wake up his people. And just like Israel, there were so many times where Israel would, um, things would go bad. Things would, would, would be in desperate times. So they turn their hearts back to God. God would hear them. God would forgive them. God would start to begin giving them victory. And then sooner or later, they became, uh, they became prideful again. And now, oh, everything is good. Everything is great. And so God becomes minimal in their life. And then, then sin would creep back in. And then they would be in a bad place again. That is, in America, same thing. How many things have we seen come to America that has woken up some people for a while, but then we get comfortable again? We need to stop getting comfortable and begin to rise up. I'm hurrying. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, moving on. Then, then, this is an if-then statement. If y'all in school, you know you have to have an if, and then you have a then. You have to do your if part before the then part comes along. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. When a nation forsakes God, God forsakes the nation. We need God back in our nation, and it begins with you and I. It begins with the church. It begins with when we take a stand against what is going on, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's hard, and even when it may sound unloving. We do it in love, but it may sound unloving. Solomon later wrote in Proverbs 28, 13, He that seeks to hide his sins shall not prosper. We cannot prosper as a nation if we continue. We can't prosper as a church. 
if we continue to try and just play church. I don't want to come here on Sunday morning with just my, my agenda as the songs that we're going to sing, you're doing offering, and then we're going to have worship, and then pastor's going to preach, and then, okay, if we have an altar call, and now we're done. It's great to have a plan, but God has got to be the foremost in that plan, and we've got to surrender our wills to his, and we've got to allow him to change the plan if he wants to change the plan. We have to be okay with it, not watching the clock, but saying, Lord, your will be done, because he's going to redeem that time to me when I give that time to him. So we need to rise up. Whoever will confess, but whoever will confess and forsake them shall find mercy. Can you agree that we need some mercy today? We need some forgiveness today. Rise up. Good job, baby. This is bringing it down. So listen, something that, uh, couple things that the Lord's put on my heart is we're going to talk about the prayer, but we got to uh, be more than going to church and we got to be the church. God called the church to be the salt and light. How can you be the church without being salty? That means someone's got to see a difference in your life. How can light be light unless it exposes darkness? Church, hear me out. I'm not telling you to be judgmental, dogmatic, or, or mean or nasty. But if you don't expose sin and stand for righteousness, you're going to be held accountable because you know the truth. You can't just play uh, neutral in this game. Choose this day whom you will serve. There's only two options. You're serving Satan or you're serving God. If you're not standing for God... That means you're standing for Satan. It's a default setting, a spring-loaded switch. If you're not holding it to the God side, if you let go, it can go to the other side. We've got to stop just coming to the building and thinking we did something great and start being the church that he called us to be. This thing that we got going on in internationally, this, this sickness, this disease, whatever this caca is, has put the church in an interesting place. Because now it has to be externally focused. It's forced us to go outside of the walls of the church, which we are intended to do anyway. This is a recharging station that we plug in and get recharged, and then we go and charge the world to try to save the lost. But if someone's burning in sin, I've got to snatch them out with my fire extinguisher of the truth of God's word, and I've got to help them. It might hurt their feelings initially when I say, hey, that's sin and that's wrong. I'd rather hurt their feelings and save their soul from hell than to walk on and pay the price for not being the watchman on the tower that God calls us to be in Ezekiel 33. We've got to be the church. Prayer. Here's another prayer I'm going to break down for you real quick. So we know that there's the if and then the then. And I find it awesome that people just want the promises of God, but they don't want to live by the processes, the principles of God. I had an interesting conversation with a couple yesterday, and God bless them. I was trying to share scriptures with them, and they were like, well, that's Old Testament, that's New Testament. Paul told Timothy, all scriptures, all scriptures, say all scriptures, are God-breathed. All of them. They're, and then, you don't have to repeat this, but they're good for teaching, preaching, encouraging, rebuking, and reproving. But the church doesn't like that anymore. But that's what it says in scriptures. If I'm supposed to be a preacher of the gospel, I've got to bring the whole gospel. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to teach you. Uh, but when it comes to correction and reproving, now people want to jump ship. I've got to stand before the Lord. 
as a minister of the gospel. You are all ministers of the gospel as well. So let's get to this verse. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And this was what he told them. Pray in this manner. And this one to break down. Everyone knows the Lord's Prayer is found in Luke. It's found in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And it's this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. I learned that as a little Catholic boy in catechism when I was eight years old. And we would say it and be done. Okay, good. But here's the interesting thing. It's so much more than that. See, the Lord's Prayer is a pattern for prayer. It is an outline for us to follow. There's so many things. And he says, do not be like the pagans who who pray in repetition and think that they've accomplished something. we got to remember that our prayer is communication with the Heavenly Father. And communication is, or should be, two-way. You speak and I listen. Oh, that's interesting. I speak and you listen. Okay, great. But the way that the world sees stuff like this is they say the prayer, that means they've accomplished something, and then they move on. Well, that's you talking. That's not communication. That's you just saying whatever you want to say. Communication isn't, well, I drop my bomb on you, and then I don't want to hear what you have to say, and I go the other way. That's unhealthy communication, and we've all experienced that before. You patiently li listen to someone just drop all their junk, and then when it's time for you to speak, they, they're, they're done. I'm done. I'm done with this, and they leave, and you can't talk. That's not communication. That's you just dropping your junk on me. So don't do that to the Father. You're just coming and dropping your junk on them, and then you're out. You're piece of, oh, I feel better now that I talked to you about that. He's, well, I have some things I want to talk to you about. Are you sitting? Are you waiting? So here's what he's saying in Matthew uh, 6, 9 through 13. Um, and there's, there's, a, there's these, um, I'm going to go over presence, praise, purpose, provision, pardon, and protection. Presence, our Father in heaven. He's always present, omniscient, everywhere at one time. He's in heaven. Praise. Hallowed be your name. You've got to recognize who you're talking to. It's funny. I, I've heard mama say it. I've heard, I've heard fellas say it in the old neighborhood. You better recognize. You don't, don't step to me like that because you don't know what you're about to get into. Right? We've, I've said it a time or two. I'm trying to just cut, cut someone a break because, hey, if we go there, it's not going to be good for you or me to, Better recognize. So I say this now to you. When you're approaching the Father, recognize who you're approaching. He told Moses, one of the most prolific prophets of the Bible, come no further. Take the shoes off your feet because this is holy ground. You don't, don't step to me with the same shoes you've been walking in the world. Don't come to me sinful. Don't come to me with dirty hands and dirty feet. Don't come up here and doing this. How do I know that? Because he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, that's repentance, then, then I will hear. That denotes that if you don't clean up first, I'm not hearing you. 
Your sin is so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Let's talk about that first, because dark can't come into light, and you want to come into my presence, and you want my gifts, and you want my promises. First, you've got to clean up. And we see that principle in the Old Testament uh, way of worship, when they would come into his courts with thanksgiving, into his gates with praise, and they would come to the brazen altar and make a sacrifice for their sin. Then they would go to the laver, and they would clean up before they ever had access to the holy place. It's the same in the spiritual realm that you've got to do, and you've got to clean up before you go to God. So we praise his name, the purpose, your kingdom come, your will be done. This is interesting for me. I like to think about this, and, and, and I'm talking to myself. If there was a mirror right here, I'd be getting in Pastor Felix's face. Man, you better listen up right now, because this is what God's trying to say. My, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think the angels, the seraphim, and the cherubs, and the heavenly beings question God? When he gives them a, 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 a command, do you think they, nah, I don't know, if I, don't, I don't feel like that's right, Lord. Do you think the angels debate with God? Do you think when God tells Gabriel to go and give a message to Daniel or to Brother Dev, do you think they're going to be like, well, I don't know. Can I do it tomorrow? If, if, if the father says to, to Michael, go down and help Gabriel, as he's trying to give this message, because he's held up by the prince of Persia, I want you to go down and, 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 and relieve him. Do you think Michael says, I'm a little busy, Father, I'm going to do that later? That's absurd to think that way, right? But yet, we do that every day. We decide what principles of God we want to apply to our life and which ones we don't. And sometimes we'll use excuses, well, that's Old Testament. Or I just don't feel like a loving God would do that. Well, if he said it in his word that he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And I want to ask us right now, this is me too, I'm talk to me. How long do you think a just and mighty God is going to sit back and watch a sinful nation just continue and continue and continue? Remember, he's a just God. Yes, he's loving, he's gracious and merciful, but he's also just. People are saying that, oh, I was created this way. You think the God of all creation did that? Come on. I'm not saying that you weren't born into sin, but God asked us to be born again. Your will be done. This is how I pray it. I worship God, our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. And I'll stop there for a minute. And I'll just brag on God. God, you are holy. You are merciful. You are just. I, I kneel before you. I thank you. I praise your holy name. And I pray that your good and perfect will is done in my life. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Like it's done in heaven, without debate, without hesitation. Father God, let me grow to be that faithful servant that when you press upon my heart to give here, to, to pray there, to speak this, that I will do it. And I will do it quickly, without delay. Because that is your will. Who am I to delay your will, creator of all heaven and earth, king of heaven's army, he who split the Red Sea, he who dried up the Jordan River. You're the one who brought the quail. You're the one who brought uh, water from the rock. You're the one who called the sun to stand still. You are the one who formed me and breathed life into me. Who am I to debate your will, Father? Let me carry it out quickly and with all obedience. Provision. Give us this day our daily bread. I need more than bread. I need some toilet paper. I need some rice and beans. I got, I got a car note. I got, I got an insurance bill. We got an electric bill. We got a water bill. 
What are your daily needs? What are your, your provisions? That bread that in the original language means provisions. What needs do you have? He's your provider. Jehovah Jireh, the original words, it means his, he is your provider. Lay your needs. He says you have not because you ask not. And the second part is when you ask, you ask amiss. means you're asking for frivolous things that you can satisfy your flesh. I always joke I would pray for a Porsche GT2 twin turbo, 0 to 60 in like 3.6 seconds. But that's not going to benefit the kingdom of God. But if you pray this way, Lord, save my son. He's not serving you. That's lined up with God's will. God wants him saved too. Why? He sent his one and only son for him. Lord, help me to be bold in my faith. Grant it. Seek me. I'll give you the boldness. Lord, I, I need health and strength to carry out your kingdom work. Grant it. Yep, you're praying according to my will. I, I hear you. Lord, I need to be sustained. I need a shelter over my head so I can I do it. Yes, you do. Grant it. When we pray according to his will and when we pray scriptures, Lord, by your word, by your stripes, you said that I'm healed. I didn't say it. Lord, you said it. And I remind you of your word. Not cocky, not being belligerent, but Lord, that's what you said. And I want to remind you, and I, and I, and I claim that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, if there's any sin in my life, I repent that to you. And I turn away from that wickedness. And Lord, I'm asking you to heal my body, heal my mind. Lord, I've, I was abused when I was young. Heal that, Father God. Lord, I was taken advantage of by this person, and I carry that burden. Lord, heal that. This is the way we need to start to learn to pray. Provide, Father God, for this church in this time and in this season where attendance might drop, where giving might drop. Father God, we need a church to still reach the community. We need a church to give the truth of Jesus Christ. We need a church to be the lighthouse in this dark world, a beacon of hope that people can come and get the truth of God's word and signs and wonders would follow this ministry in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? Give them a hand clap of praise real quick. Lord, you are the one who has the ability to pardon me. Forgive me of our sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Here's the interesting thing. If you're not forgiving others, by law, by a legal mandate, God cannot forgive you. So that thing that you're holding on to could be hindering your prayers, could be hindering, hindering your healing, it could be hindering the provision that God has waiting for you. He's got all the beans, rice, toilet paper, finances stacked up, ready to bless you, but because the sin in your life, unrepentant sin, is holding it back. Have you ever thought about that? It says those who are faithful in their tithe and their offering, that there's blessings that he'll open up the windows of heaven. Those blessings are still there. He's waiting for your obedience. The other second part about that, he said he would rebuke the devourer. Isn't pestilence, disease, a devourer? It devours your health. If you want the, the covering of God in your life, be faithful to what he asked you to do. I didn't ask you to do that. He asked you to be faithful. And in your faithfulness, you have access to his provisions, his protection, his covering. The opposite's true. If you're unfaithful, you step out from the umbrella and you're, you're out from beneath his wing. That's your choice. He never leaves you or forsake you. He never goes away. It's us in our lifestyle that make and choose those decisions. Amen? So I encourage you, forgive early and forgive often. Sometimes you, you, you don't feel like it. Like, well, you don't know what they did. 
I don't. I don't know what they did to you. I've had my own battles with forgiveness. But this is what I know. Jesus, hanging naked on the cross, beaten and bruised and pierced, said, Father, forgive them, for they know what they do. If he can, by his graces, he can help me too. Doesn't mean necessarily that you forgot. It doesn't mean that you didn't learn a lesson. It doesn't mean that you didn't get wiser from the circumstance. But you can, you've got to release them because you're carrying that with you. And now you're hindering God's forgiveness in your life because you're not forgiving others. By me saying you've got to forgive them, I'm not saying you've got to forget. I'm not saying that you can't learn a lesson. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying free yourself to get forgiven yourself. It's not worth carrying it with you any longer. Release it in Jesus' name and release yourself. Give yourself permission to move on as well. Protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We know that there's an evil one out there. Satan, the devil, Lucifer. Trying to trip you up. Because misery loves company. He's destined for the lake of fire where there's burning there's weeping, there's uh, gnashing of teeth, where, where the worm doesn't die. That's intended for Satan. It's not intended for us. However, he doesn't want to be alone. And he's trying to get as many people to go with him as possible. So he's going to lie to you. He's going to trip you up. He's going he's to manipulate you and try to pull you away from God. And then we are asking God to, Lord, I know I have an enemy who's going to try to trip me up, but I pray that you make my path straight, that you make it flat, that you make it clear. And his word, and he answers in the Bible, he says, uh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I want to encourage all Christians at the sound of my voice and those who are listening online, please read the Bible. Front to back, it all applies, it all matters. Please read it. So many times that people come and they call the office and talk to me, like, well, I don't know, does it really say that? You should know, you're a Christian, read the word. We go to it together. What does it say? You want my earthly advice? That's a bad idea. I got some wisdom, I've done some things, but how about we go to the Bible and see what God says about it and let that settle the matter. Done, amen, settled. But they're like, well, I don't know, it's a book written by man a long time ago. Kaka. Baloney. It's been proven time again, scientifically, archaeologically, historically, independently verified, over and over and over again. And what about faith? If you can't believe, if you don't have faith that the word of God is true, how can you believe in a God that you've never seen, who gave you a son that you've never met, that died on the cross to cover your sins? Come on, somebody. That's Satan lying to you. We've got to get wiser than that. Rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. Lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from evil one. Then this final one. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Whatever I accomplish here on earth, Father God, it's because of you. The strength you give me, the wisdom you give me, the experiences you give me, the friendships that you give me, all anything that I accomplish is for your honor and your glory, not my own. That puts me back into perspective. And this is something I want to recognize. It starts with him, and it ends with him. Have you heard that before? I am the Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. That's not just a song. That's scripture. 
He said, I'm the great I am. I am the beginning. I am the end. It started with me. I was before time. I am time. I will be after time. Everything started with me. All source comes from me. I started. I, I'm it. He told Moses, and Moses said, who do I say you are? He said, I am. You are what? Yep. Are you my protector? Yep, I am. Are you my provider? Yes, I am. Are you, are you my purpose? Yes, I created you for a purpose and a reason and a season. Yes, I am. Are you my, uh, my, the one who pardons me? Yes. Are you my protection? Yes, I am. Whatever your question is, whatever you're thinking or, or trying to get an answer to, I'm sure God has something to say about it. Amen? Praise God. So as we move forward... I want to encourage you to be a praying people. Communicate with God. That means also, once you did what you said you had to do, now you think this. Wait, wait. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now it's his turn to talk. Stay silent. That's something that we know that Samuel said. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. What does he have to say to you? And here's the thing. He's always speaking. Just can we turn down the volume of the world? Can we turn down the volume of distractions? Can we turn down the volume of the social media? Can we turn down the volume of the news and the debaters and all the haters and everything else? Can we turn down all the junk that is cluttering our mind and be still and know that he is God? And in his talking, in his coming to you, in that still small voice within, it brings in peace. It brings in comfort. It brings in healing. It soothes your soul. I encourage you, be a praying people. Sit and wait before the Lord. See what he has to say for you for this time, for this season. Because this is uncharted territory. But he's got a plan for you in this time. How do I know that? He preserved you for such a time as this. He allowed you to be born and raised and be here today. You might need to share your wisdom. You might need to share your strength, your resources, your knowledge. You might need to be the prayer warrior that intercedes for others. There's a purpose and a plan for you in this season, in this time. Seek the Lord for what that might be in your life. As we move forward, we'll give updates on Facebook. We'll keep you abreast of as much information as we have. Like my wife said, stay connected. Stay connected. Encourage one another in the Lord. Be prayerful. Pray for the leadership team here that we make the right decisions. Even if it's wrong, that we recover from it. Pray for your state, local, national leadership. Nowhere in... I'm going to step on some toys. I just feel the Spirit of the Lord leading me in this direction. Nowhere in Scripture does it give you permission to be critical of your leaders. Always, though, it tells you to pray for them. But we get loose-lipped, don't we? I don't like this. I don't like that. Well, you're not in those shoes, so just slow your roll. Relax. And how have you prayed for them today? Even if you don't like them, that's okay. Even if you don't like me, you're called to pray for me. You're not called to be critical and judgmental of me. Now you're, you're opening yourself up to sin. Touch not my anointed, says the Lord. I'm not saying that for me. That's what scripture says. Don't, be careful. 
You may not agree with some stuff. You might think some things about me, about the mayor, about the governor, about the president, about whoever, wherever. You can find something on somebody, but how are you praying for them? How are you praying for them? Because what, what God said, to heal his land, we got to be a praying people. To heal this land. Thank you.